0: Hey, this is Pastor Jeremy from Awaken Church. I hope you enjoy this week's message. Stop preventing what God is permitting, and it should be on the screen behind you. And we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, uh, verse 13, starting with verse 13. Uh, stop preventing what God is permitting. football fans in the house today? Any football fans? might even like football? We have one Georgia fan over here. I'm going to forgive him. <laughs> oh, we have a Gator fan over here. He's just, he's already throwing some shade. <laughs> we have a Nebraska fan up here. Who, who likes Nebraska anyways? <laughs> All right, so uh, something that uh, football teams use when they have the lead in a game is a defense called the Prevent defense. Everybody say Prevent. So what happens is, is that the team has the lead, and so they just try to protect the lead. And they'll, they'll put their players far back, um, They'll play kind of a a zone type of, of defense. And what they're trying to prevent is like a long play, a long touchdown, a long run or something. They're just trying to protect their lead. And really trying to, they're just trying to run the clock out. Run the clock out, protect the lead, and we got the victory. It's called a prevent defense. A lot of coaches use it. Uh, John Madden, Hall of Fame coach, said, "The only thing that the prevent defense does is it keeps it prevents you from winning. The only thing the prevent defense does is it prevents you from winning. And the reason is, is because usually when a team slips into prevent defense, they abandon their game plan, or they abandon what got them the lead in the first place. When a play it safe." Going to just drop back in the coverage. Just want to protect the lead. Just want to make it through the game. I'm afraid that this is a great metaphor for us this morning. Uh, the verses we're going to read are from Mark chapter 10. And what happens is, what's going to happen is the disciples are basically in a prevent defense, they're in a prevent defense. Uh, Jesus has told them that he's headed to the cross at least two times now. They're about 9 months from from this thing going down. Perhaps they're thinking that we just got to we got to run the clock out on the way to the cross. <laughs> More than likely, they're just trying to prevent something from going wrong. They're just trying to prevent something from going wrong. And in the process, here's what happens, they find themselves in the wrong. They're just trying to prevent something from going wrong. And they find themselves in the wrong. Like a football team protecting the lead. I just got to protect the lead. I just got to prevent the other team from getting any points. That's all. I don't want to make any more points. I just got to prevent the other team. And what they found themselves doing is they were preventing what Jesus was permitting. They were preventing what Jesus was permitting. And Jesus wasn't pleased with that. I don't know if you know it, but Jesus isn't always pleased. God has emotions and he created you with emotions. And in this instant, Jesus was actually angry. The word is indignant. Indignant. I like to... I like to sing songs about God being pleased and I, and I do believe he is pleased with, with us. But I don't always believe he's pleased with what we do and how we handle things. He has emotions. So we're gonna take a look at the gospel of Mark chapter 10 and if you have your Bibles, just be there and we're gonna start at verse 13. Mark ten thirteen, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms, and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. So stop preventing what God has permitted. Stop preventing what God has permitted. I don't know if you've ever heard the the saying or maybe you've even said it before. Uh, don't sing it, bring it. Have you ever heard that saying? You've never heard it? Susan's never heard it. You mean Tom's never said that to you? Don't sing it, bring it, Susan. She... <laughs> don't sing it. Don't just sing it, bring it, right? So usually when, uh, thank you, Jasmine. Thank you, Jasmine. Um, so usually whenever, whenever you're trying to, um, Brag a little bit, or uh, someone's thinking they can beat you, they're trying to talk up their game to you uh, that's a saying like don't just sing it, bring it man don't just don't just talk about it you gotta you gotta put your money where your mouth is, right? nobody's picking up what I'm throwing down here don't just sing it, you gotta bring it <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so so. <laughs> Don't just say you're going to beat me, actually beat me. That's what that's meaning. Don't just sing it, bring it. Don't just sing it, bring it. And I feel like, I feel like in part, this is, what, this is what the Lord is saying to us this morning. Because we, we sing praises, we confess faith, but too often we fall into prevent mode. Content to run the clock out, content to keep the lead, and to take the win. He doesn't want that for us. Good point, Jeremy. I know he does not want that for me, for me or for you. He's already won the battle for us. Check it out, right? He's already won the battle for us. We're already winners, but we have to keep pursuing him. We have to keep pressing in for more, and there's so much more that he wants to bless us with. Amen? There's so much more that he wants to bless us with. Turn in your Bibles to Psalms 27:4. It's not going to be on the screen. If you have one, turn there, digitally, regularly, whatever. Psalms 27.4, we're going to we'll go there really quickly. Psalms 27.4. This is King David saying, and we've referenced this verse many times, but Psalms 27.4 says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This was David pursuing in, wanting to see more of the Lord, wanting to see the Lord just as he is. And David was a winner. <laughs> David was someone who had tasted and seen the Lord, but he wanted more. This was his one request. Now I'll go over to Philippians chapter 3, all the way over in the New Testament. Now Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Philippians 3. Philippians 3, verse 13, Paul says this, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Everybody say one thing. I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Paul, not content in just winning. Man, I want more. I'm pressing on so that I can catch him. <laughs> I want all that God has for me. I'm forgetting what lies behind and I'm pressing forward. Right? Not content to just fall in prevent mode. Not content to just fall into prevent mode. And the Lord cares about us so much. He doesn't want us to fall into like a prevent mode. And so what does he do? He permits what we want to prevent. He permits what we want to prevent. See, because he's kind of the counterintuitive parent, and we don't like this. This is going to be offensive to us, but he's a counterintuitive parent. Most of the time, what I want to do is save my kids from every single fall. Save my kids from every single bruise. Save my kids from every single hardship. Save my kids from all these things. That's what I want to do. Right? Most of the time, and then, then I've said things, and my parents have said things to me like this, like, Jeremy, if I could have taken your place, I, I would have. I would rather take that that you're going through than you, and I'm so sorry. And, I, and I, we, we've said similar things to our kids, like, man, if I could be sick rather than you, I wouldn't. That's just crazy, because I don't like to be sick either. But, but it's like, if I could do this for you, Well, what does Jesus do? (laughs) Jesus gives us a cross. He gives us a cross. He says something like, His own, well, his own brother under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says something in James 1 like this, "'Count it all joy, my brothers, "'when you meet trials of various kinds, "'for you know that the testing of your faith "'produces steadfastness or endurance. "'And let it steadfastness or endurance have its full effect, "'that you may be perfect and complete, "'lacking in nothing.'" So, these trials, these temptations, these things that we want to prevent, but God is permitting. God's saying, Look, you got to hold on because they're creating in you something that you don't even realize. They're making you perfect and complete. You just got to hold on. In Mark chapter 10, verse 13, it says they were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them. And what did the disciples do? They rebuked them. Let me just say this the disciple means, the word disciple means a learner, right? Someone who's learning. And so the disciples had a lot to learn, and so do we, right? We have a lot to learn. But here's what happened just to put it in a little bit of context, scriptural context, they brought an opportunity. To Jesus, they brought an opportunity rather to receive Jesus and the Father to the disciples, but the disciples prevented it. I'm going to say that again. What was happening in this scripture is that they brought an opportunity to receive Jesus and the Father to the disciples, but the disciples were preventing it. How do I know? Because you remember what Jesus said in the previous chapter, in, in, in chapter 9, verse 37. He said, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him, him who sent me. So what if the things we are trying to prevent are actually opportunities to receive God? Because this is the Father and the Son, God and God, right? The things we are trying to prevent What if it's God's way of of having us actually receive him? What if it's true what Jesus said in Philippians 3.10, that there's fellowship or there's a sharing in his sufferings? There's an opportunity to receive God, and these disciples rebuked him, rebuked them. So check this out. Sometimes, the opportunity to grow in our faith or grow in our life with God. It doesn't come the way that we think it will. It doesn't come in the same shape. It doesn't come in the same form. It doesn't come in the time. Because here's what happened. An opportunity came from parents. An opportunity included kids. Kids. This opportunity seemingly had nothing to do with their journey to take control back from Rome. <laughs> this opportunity involved Jesus doing something that they didn't envision. I had a good friend, Tony Hale, that passed away a couple years ago. And Tony was always good at seeing the bigger picture of things. We'd be playing a game and I'm, I'm, I'm borderline competitive. I like to talk trash, but I'm not really good at things. (laughs) So, uh, I'm a West Virginia fan, so I'm used to losing. But uh, just the way it is. (laughs) But Tony, we'd be playing a game of basketball, you know, my kids and his kids. And for some reason, our team name was always the Muskrats. I don't know why. Maybe that's why we lost. I don't know why. We always called ourselves the Muskrats. Anyways... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'd be playing this game and I'm all into the game. And then Tony sees a neighbor across the street. And he's like, hey, you want to play? But I'm like, Four, three. it's going to be uneven teams, man. What do you mean? You bring this neighbor over. But Tony knew that neighbor and he knew the situation the neighbor was coming from. He knew, he knew that kid needed to be in a good environment if just for just a few moments because he was coming from an unchristian home. If he could just step in the camp on, on the court a few steps away from his own house and be on the court with some godly men and their kids, there's just a chance that we could be kind to him and speak a good word to him. I didn't I didn't get it. And I think I miss it more than I get it. Honestly. But what was happening here, and it's almost verbatim from what Jesus said, is that Jesus was showing them the kingdom. This is where the rule of God is. This is where the kingdom exists. This is how you enter in. Four very like descriptive and right-on statements about what was happening that the disciples were preventing or rebuking. This is what he said. This is <laughs> Jesus was showing them the kingdom. This is where the rule of God is. This is where the kingdom exists. And this is how you enter in. Pretty, pretty important stuff, right? So check it out. When we stop preventing what God has permitted, we start receiving his touch, his embrace, and his blessing spoken over us. That is a great statement. When we stop preventing what God has permitted, we start receiving his touch, his embrace, and his blessing spoken over us. Thank you. We want to hear him. We want more. So what do we do? We stop preventing and start permitting. Second point, and I only have two points. The first one was don't just sing it, bring it. The second one was may, is may God bless you like Manasseh and Ephraim. May God bless you like Manasseh and Ephraim. This was an it was an Israelite custom. And how I even arrived at this is because I saw what Jesus was doing to the kid to these kids in the in, in Mark chapter ten. I saw how the parents were bringing the kids to Jesus, and I'm just thinking in my mind, I had some questions. This is how you grow when you're reading in the Bible. You have questions, you get curious, and so what do you do? You look up questions, you do a little research. That's all I did. And here's what happened here's what would happen as an Israelite custom is that parents would bless their children on the evening of the Sabbath. This is what they would do. For boys, they would call them. Fourth, and they would say, may God bless you like Ephraim and Manasseh. For girls, they would say, may God make you like Sarah, like Rebecca, Rachel. They'd put their hands on their head and they would bless them. And so when the parents were bringing their kids to Jesus, they they already had a little bit of context we're already, we've been blessing our kids, and so what we want is for you, to come, for you to bless our kids now, Jesus. We want the blessing to be on our kids. Everyone say Ephraim and, Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim and Manasseh. These were Joseph's sons born to him in Egypt. And you may remember the story of Joseph. Raise your hand if you know the story of Joseph. So Joseph was born to Rachel and Jacob. Joseph's name means God added. God added. In Genesis 30, Rachel says that God took away her reproach and added her a son. How many of you know that God is a God who knows math? Right, he knows math. He's pretty good at math. Thank God he is. I'm terrible. He adds, he subtracts, he multiplies, he divides. He's really good at what he does. But, the, but tragically, what happened was that we know in the story that Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery because he was his father's favorite. Kind of like I'm my mom's favorite. Just, sometimes it happens that way. <laughs> and you're not surprised, are you? You're not. No, Susan's not. I'm actually, they have, you know when I go to their house, they have a coffee cup for me and it says, you're my favorite? That's what happens yeah so so check it out. <laughs> so they hated the fact that he had dreams. God gave Joseph dreams let's bump the air down in here just a little bit, guys. Thank you. They hated the fact that their dad had given him a coat that they didn't have, so, like good brothers would do, they threw him in a pit and sold him to slave traders. <laughs> crazy. And then the slave traders sold him to Pharaoh in Egypt. This is Joseph, and it's in your Bible. Then they lied and they told their dad, Jacob, that they found part of his coat on the road and that he must be dead. This is in your Bible. <laughs> and I just want you to, I want to give you an opportunity to get offended. God permitted it all. He permitted it all. He could have prevented it, but he didn't. He permitted it all. He could have prevented it. And I think we've all been in that sort of situation before. Like, you could have stopped this. You could have prevented it. I remember being a, um, uh, a middle school student. And my grandfather passed away. My grandfather was a, was a preacher and... Um, I'm kind of carrying his, the torch of his ministry, but I remember when he died, I had such a hard time understanding why. Understanding why God would permit it, why he would permit him to have leukemia, and why he would prevent him to even die when he could have prevented it. I think we've all wrestled with that. God, why have you per- permitted But God, everybody say, but God. but God. God caused Joseph to prosper in Pharaoh's house. He put Joseph in charge of his house, right? So you got brothers, throw them in a pit, throw him, uh, trade them to eat, trade them to, to, to traders. They trade them to, to, to Pharaoh in Egypt. He goes into Egypt, God prospers Joseph. <laughs> he put Joseph in charge of all of his house. His house prospered because of Joseph. Then Pharaoh's wife lied about Joseph and said that he tried to sleep with her. When Joseph had not, he actually ran from her. She tried holding on the part of his garment as he fled and tore it. That's what she brought as evidence to Pharaoh. When you think you've had a bad day, just think of Joseph. Right? <laughs> then Pharaoh threw Joseph in prison for trying to sleep with his wife. But God, everybody say, but God. But God caused the jail to prosper because of Joseph. The jailer put the jail in the hands of Joseph. Then God used Joseph to interpret dreams of the baker and the cupbearer that were also thrown in jail. Two years later, God used Joseph to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And as a result, Pharaoh elevated Joseph to the position of governor in the land. No one was greater than Joseph except Pharaoh. And... Because of Pharaoh's dream and Joseph's interpretation, Egypt was set up as a place for all the nations around to come and get grain during the seven years of plenty. Actually, during the seven years of famine. There were seven years of plenty and there were seven years of famine. And It was here that Joseph married his wife, Pharaoh's daughter. They had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. It was here that Joseph, Joseph's brothers would come and bow down low before him and ask him for grain because they were starving. By the way, that was just like he had dreamed. Joseph dreamed when he was just a youngster, around 17 years old, I think. He had a dream. He dreamed that his brothers would come and bow down. And it happened. But he could never have, ha- never have dreamed that it would happen like it happened, right? <laughs> it was very figurative in the dream. Like We have dreams. We want to see things accomplished, but we'll never dream how God's going to do it all. And it's exciting, and it's scary, and it's offensive. Turn to Genesis 45, 5. Genesis 45, 5. This was Joseph's response to his brothers. We're going to read a couple of scriptures. You still good? You still with me? All right. Genesis 45, 5, it says, Joseph's response to his brothers, now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Anybody listen to that? (laughs) Hey, I'm just being honest. If that's me, we're going to have some other words. I know you guys are all church folk. You You sold me. (laughs) I spent time in prison. (laughs) Like this is not how Joseph pictured his life. This is not how Joseph dreamed that his dreams were going to be fulfilled. (laughs) But Joseph says, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. God sent me before you to preserve life. Wow. Turn to Genesis 50. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15 through 21, it says this. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, oh, they they said, man, we are in trouble Daddy's gone. The brothers are going to get me. It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph. They're still conspiring. Your father gave the command before he died, they say. Verse 17, say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. This is a guy who's who's very touched by his brothers coming to him. His heart is softened, not hardened. And he was thrown in prison. He was sold in slavery. How often do our hearts become hardened because of things we've gone through and the offenses that we have? This man's heart was soft. Verse 19, Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? In other words, God's my defender. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. In other words, God sent me here. God meant it for good. God could have prevented it, but he permitted it. Not trying to make a doctrine out of Joseph's experience. But I do believe God wants to help us today. God could have prevented it all, but He permitted it. And here's the part we really want to get to. It's about to get good. It's about to get good right now. Uh, Jasmine, could you come back on keys for me, please? Thank you. Um, <clears throat> gave you a long enough break by time. <laughs> So check it out. Check it out. When Joseph's father was about to die, Joseph brought his children to his father. What were, what were his children's name? Joseph's children? Ephraim and Manasseh. Right. Joseph brought Ephraim and Manasseh to Jacob so that he could bless him, or to Israel so he could bless him. Check out. Genesis 41 verses 51 and 52, it says that Joseph named Manasseh Manasseh because he said, God has made, listen, I need you to listen to this. God has made me forget all the hardships in my father's house. God has made me forget all the hardships. Manasseh. Now check it out. God is the God who scatters our sins as far as the east is from the west. It's the sea of forgetfulness. And isn't it just like God? that he can do something in us to cause us to forget our hardships. Sometimes we have to just know that this is what God can do, that he can cause us to forget all our hardships, all the stuff that my brothers did to me that I didn't deserve. Hey, they they took me and they threw me in a pit. <laughs> I got thrown in prison. I got lied about. Hey, what, what was that they did? Huh. What was that? All I know is that I don't feel anything in my heart against my brothers. God has caused me to forget all that. You know, Pharaoh said of Joseph that there was no one like him that the Spirit of God was in in all the land. So when we're calling out like we did today in worship for God to come, fill us, this is part of it, y'all? The spirit of God in us causes us to forget these things. Listen, and we always have opportunity. I had opportunity this week. I had opportunity to, to recall this thing, these words that were spoken to me. I told my wife about them once, and I had an opportunity. I told them it wasn't her. <laughs> Just to make that plain, it wasn't her. But I confided in her and I had an opportunity then to keep on. If I, I, I could go to somebody else, can you believe what they? God's causing me to forget. Manasseh. Some of you just need to confess that over your life now, Manasseh. God causes me to forget. And then he named Ephraim, Ephraim. Because he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. <laughs> God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. In other words, in, my, in the worst time of my life, God made me fruitful. In the hardest time, in all my worries and distresses, God made me fruitful. In my, the worst days of my life, God bore fruit. God made me fruitful. I think there's a connection between forgetting the past and being fruitful. But this is a God thing. It's only what God causes. Remember, God caused me to forget. God made me fruitful. It's not Tom saying, well, I'm just choosing to forget today, brother. God caused me to forget. If it was up to Jeremy, I would remember and I would hold everybody accountable. But then I'm like, man, no, God has caused me to forget that. I can't live like that anymore because, God be, because there's another brother. There's another son, and his name is Ephraim, and so God makes me fruitful in my affliction. And we don't want any affliction. We don't want any distress. We don't want any worry. But what if God is bigger than all that, and he causes you to prosper in the midst of your affliction? Yes. So Jacob, here's what he did. He adopted Ephraim and Manasseh as his own. That's what this was about. They weren't even his kids, but he adopted them as his own. When Joseph brought the kids to him, now the blessing of the firstborn is coming on Joseph's sons. God is adopting them Don't you know that all of us were once far off? But God has adopted us into his family. Brought us in together, grafted in the vine with his chosen people. Come on, man. He has adopted us. He has adopted us. But check it out. So one more thing, and I'm going to use an object lesson right here. Um, let me see. Let me have Joaquin come up over here. I'm going to need two chairs. Let me get these two chairs, Joe. All right. All right. Come up here, Joaquin. All right. And uh, another teen. Uh, I'm going to need a boy because this was uh, just another teen. Dante, come up here. This is going to be This, this is brothers. This is real good. All right. <laughs> sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. So Joseph has it all set up now, right? Just like we have it all set up for God to bless us. And to bless our kids. God Joseph Joseph had it all set up. Look, daddy's about to die. I just need him to bless my firstborn. And so he brings Ephraim up and he sets him he sets him right here so his right hand or it would be Manasseh. He brought Manasseh and he set, him, he set him up so he could just reach out his hand and bless him. This is how they do it. It's really awkward for you guys. They're my nephews. They know I do some weird stuff. All right. So, so jo- Joseph had it all set up. Eph- Manasseh, Ephraim, daddy. All right. So do. Daddy, you sit here. All right. Just like we set it all up for God sometimes, right? Like this is how it's all gonna work out. I got, it all, I got it all figured out. This is my plan. This is how it's gonna work. This is how God's blessing is gonna come to me. All right, dad, you ready? He switched it up on him. It says he crossed, he crossed over. And he blessed Ephraim instead of Manasseh. And Joseph's like, wait, 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 wait. And he tried to get his hand off of Ephraim. And he's like, no, 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 no. You got, no, I've chosen Ephraim. I'm gonna make him fruitful. He's gonna, he's gonna be, he, there's gonna be a multitude that comes from him. I'm gonna multiply him. But from him, there's gonna be multitudes and multitudes that come from him. And because of this, all parents, the parents throughout the ages will say, may God bless you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh, may you be blessed like Ephraim and Manasseh. We don't like it when God crosses it up on us, all right? We don't like it when God does a crossover on us. We're like, hey, 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 put your hand over here. Do it like this. And God's like, no, 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 no. What I want to do is I want to, I'm going to call the children to me and I'm going to bless them. And you're going to try to prevent it. But what I'm trying to tell you is that what you're trying to prevent is what I'm permitting. And this is how my blessing is going to rest. Multitudes are going to come from him. This is how I'm going to bless you in your life. You don't want any adversity. You don't want any affliction, but check it out. I'm gonna cause you to be fruitful in your affliction. I'm gonna cause you to bear much fruit in your affliction. But you gotta have both. You gotta forget all those things and you gotta have the fruit but this is what God does. This is what God causes. You understand what I'm saying? This is, this is God's action. God, would you cause me to forget those things that I keep holding on to and they keep coming through my mind and they keep holding me hostage? Would you cause me to forget? And God, would you cause me to be fruitful in my affliction, right? God, would you cause this? Would you do this for me? Because I can't do it myself. You hear me? And just like, check it out, this is my big finish. You ready for this? Joseph crossed it up because this is how the blessing was gonna come. How awesome is it that the cross is how our blessing comes? We're adopted into the family only through the shedding of the blood of the Lamb. This is the only way that we are blessed and we receive every spiritual blessing as non-Jews into the family of God. It's only here, it's only if He does the cross. It's not through purposing and planning, like, 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 like we, we, we want to we do everything in our own strength or plan it all out ourselves. And God's like, nope, 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 nope. It's only through the cross. Look at Ephraim and Manasseh. You want fruit in your life? It's only through the cross. You don't want to bear any affliction. You don't want to bear any hardships, but look at the cross. This is how the fruit comes. This is how people are going to be able to look at your life and be like, man, if they can make it through, I can make it through. Like we're looking at Joseph today. And all the while, we keep trying to prevent what God has permitted. And God's like, look, man, I'm trying to get you perfect on the inside. Look, I trust God for healing of bodies like we prayed for today. I trust God for all that he wants to do and all that he has paid for. But do you know that this life is only a glimpse of like, like one square? <laughs> if all these are like the, all, eternity, this life is like maybe half of a square? In comparison to all of eternity and all we get so focused on, it's like all that we're going through in this life and God's like, look, but I'm, I'm working something in you that's going to continue on throughout all of eternity if you would just let me do what I want to do on the inside and stop rebuking what I'm permitting. Just trying to say is don't assume that you know all that you know, because maybe God has a bigger plan and he wants to bless nations, <laughs> but he's going to have it's going to come through the cross. Thank you guys. sorry, I made you stay there really long once you not you stand up with me, once you stand up with me <clears throat> Close your, eyes, close your 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 eyes. We are going to respond in the way he wants us to respond today. And I just feel like that he wants to, wants to do something deep on the inside of us, man. Like, don't just sing it, bring it, man. Stop just singing praises and actually stick with it. Stop just coming and and, and consuming and now. But I want to do, let me do what I want to do in your life. Let me do it. Just let me, permit me and stop preventing me. Just let me. Just let me. When I was a missionary in El Salvador, keep your head, head bowed, eyes closed. When I was a missionary in El Salvador, I got dengue fever and I wanted to give up on it. It's like, hey, as soon as I got dengue fever, I'm out. I'm out, man. I'm out. I'm out. There was a lot of danger to my family. Hey, we're out. We can get stung again and bleed out of our eyes. We're out. I had an overseer tell me, Jeremy, I'd rather die where God wants me than be anywhere else. And I'm just telling you for the days ahead that this is what God is calling us to. He's waking up the lullabies. There's no more lullabies of the church. Man, I'm in it to win it. I'm gonna stop just, just, just hoping to run my clock out. I'm pressing on. I'm pressing in. And I, I want God to cross it up. Listen, I want Him to cross it up. I want Him to cross it up. I'm gonna start permitting and stop preventing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I ask you today. I ask you to for those that you sent this message for. Would you cause them like you caused Joseph to forget? Would you cause them to forget? There's memories that have been holding them captive and they need to be caught. They need cause to forget today. Cause them to forget remind them that you're causing them to be fruitful in the land of their affliction causing them there's fruit coming out of this guys there's fruit coming out of it but you can't give up too soon when it was finished Jesus gave up it, gave up his ghost he bowed his head you're not the timekeeper. It's not up to you to run out the clock. You hear me? It's not up for you to run out the clock. You're not the timekeeper. There's small groups that need to happen in your house. <laughs> There's people you need to encourage. You got a lot of pressing in, pressing on to do. But it's going to be a God thing. Amen? Amen. It's going to be a God thing. Listen. Listen. He's not causing you to give up on your dreams. He's just saying, saying, why don't you give me your dream? I'm in control of making your dream happen. Stop giving up on it because of all the things that are, that are coming your way, all the problems. <sighs> I've never preached this in my life. Never. But God, we welcome you. I'm going to invite my elders up here. Tom and Susan, why don't you come up here. Barry and Jerry, if you could come up here to the other side. Melvina, why don't you come up here. If you like prayer this morning, I want to invite you to come forward and and pray with any of these elders. If you've been going through this stuff, if you feel it today, and you would just like prayer, there's nothing we're going to dismiss everybody else in just a few moments. And I just want to give you opportunity to respond. And maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Jeremy, I, I don't even know this Jesus that that you've been talking about. It's your opportunity to confess your sins. To confess your faith in him that he died on the cross for you and that he rose from the grave. But this is your confession. But just know with that confession, you get across. Oh, it's costly. If that's you and you'd like to come and pray, just just go ahead, go ahead and begin your what, Make your way up to one of our elders this morning. Come on. Just sing that jasmine. There is no one else for me. None but Jesus, crucified to set me free. Come on, guys, come up. It's your opportunity. Sing a Jazz. Come on, there's healing up here. There's healing up here. Prayer partners that will pray with you. This is is what families do, adopted. You are adopted into a new family today. Come, come. this message on our hearts today. Would you seal it on my heart? Would you seal it on our hearts? Give us wisdom, God, to know, (laughs) to know what you're permitting. Give us wisdom. Wait just a few moments longer. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure you like and share the podcast. And if you're ever in the Highlands County area, uh, make sure you stop by and visit us. Uh, We're located at 1121 uh, Memorial Drive in Avon Park, Florida. Uh, We'd love to meet you here.